So again, uh, we are working on this topic of the call. This is part two today. If you were here last week, you realize that uh, they were fishermen that Jesus called. I'm not sure why he felt like fishermen were it, but he had a reason, right? Fishermen must be good guys. In girls, probably, today. I, I, I like to fish, though. That, <laughs> maybe it is, I don't know. You know, I've always felt, though, as I've studied Scripture, whenever you see something more than once in the Bible that says the same thing, you kind of have to start thinking, hmm, is there, is there a method here? Is God trying to get my attention, ring my bell? Uh, I wanted just to mention that even though last week we studied out of Luke 5, even though that's the longest uh, introduction, if you will, to the people following Jesus, there were other places he did it, and they said something similar. And I just wanted to point those out as I get started here today. Um, Without me having to read the whole thing, in verse 17 he said, he called them out, or he called out to them, come follow me and I will show you how to fish for people. I will show you how to fish for people. How many know how to fish for people? Raise your hand if you do. All right, not everybody's raising your hand. All right, well, I appreciate your honesty. And, and he said it, and by the way, uh, the, most scholars feel that Mark was probably the first um, gospel, if you will, that was presented to the early church, and then the others followed. And, and there's a little bit of repetition And that's one of the reasons they think Matthew actually followed Mark. And if you look at this, it says the same thing. Jesus called out to them, come follow me and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and they followed him. Let me back that one up. And they left their nets at once and they followed him. You see the similarity there? Or the exact likeness? At least in the English. (laughs) They were probably a little different in the early grammar. but What I want you to see, though, is that each of the synoptic Gospels point out how Jesus called fishermen. And when he called them, they left everything. They dropped what they were doing and they followed him. Now, why are there differences? Have you ever been to an accident, the scene of an accident, where you witnessed something and, and the police came and they asked you what you saw? Why? Because if they interviewed 10 people, how many stories would they have? 10. They, everybody sees things differently. And what I'm trying to show you today is that even though these three different, and and the synoptic gospels are are similar, that's what it means, Uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke are all similar in the way they were written. John's a little bit different, we're going to get to him in just a minute, but I just want you to see that even though they didn't say the exact same things, what they said was similar, and it doesn't change the meaning. So you can still trust that the Bible is inerrant, that it's God's word, it's his truth, 
And that uh, though the men wrote from their personality and from what they saw, it says the same thing. They left their nets, they left that style of living as a fisherman, and they followed him. And Pastor Roger, I just wanted to point out that the songs that you sang today, and and you mentioned it beforehand, but, you know, as I ramped up and and was trying to get in the spirit this morning, and I'm struggling just a little bit because I I did too much yesterday again. And sometimes that wears on you on Sunday. Uh, After the men left, I, I moved a whole bunch of logs by myself, and I was going up and down the hill, and man, am I feeling it today. And I'm not whining. I'm thankful I've got a body that still moves. Right, Bill? <laughs> you know when you put in a, a long day, though, and that's how I'm feeling. But when you said that to me this morning, I was just thinking, oh, Lord, just show up here today. And the, the Lord is high and lifted up, and his train fills the temple. And, and, and it doesn't say, will you follow me, but it says, who will go? It's the same thing, it's just put in a little different vernacular, right? Who will go? Who will follow me? And that's what today's message is all about. So look at this again. Oops, there we go. Luke, they left everything and followed Jesus. Mark, they left their nets at once and followed him. Matthew says the same thing. What's the Lord saying to us? When he calls you, you need to leave everything and follow him. And I'm not talking about, okay, if you work at uh, some company here in Gaylord that you leave your job. I don't mean that, unless he tells you to. What what I am saying is that he's got to be preeminent. He's got to be number one in your life. Because he wants you to do his bidding over everything else. And I recognize that today I'm a full-time pastor. I'm paid to do this. But when I started, when Jesus called me out of the darkness back in 1981, I didn't give up my job. I worked at General Motors for years after I was born again. I got involved in ministry after I was born again, before I went into ministry. And I I volunteered my time. It changed me. But there was nothing, and I can say this with all honesty, there was nothing that would take priority between what my Lord wanted me to do in my earthly life. Nothing. And I would love to see you get to that place where God's got an army of people willing to do whatever. He, when he says, go, you go. You don't sit there and go, well, I'm just not sure if this is the right timing. You wonder why the world is where it is today? It's because the Christians are sitting on their rear ends. And if you're at home, I'm speaking to you too. Listen, it doesn't matter if you're hunkered down in your house. There are still things you can do for the kingdom. 
You can call people. You can go through your Facebook friends and pray over them. And if you've got eight or nine hundred of them, that'll take you a while. But I'm just trying to get you to see that the Holy Spirit is saying, we're coming close to when I'm coming back for a church without spot or wrinkle. Will you do what I need you to do, church? Will you do it? God doesn't beg. He won't beg. He will impress us to do things. But if we deny it, then that thing might go undone. Somebody told me a long time ago, they, they said, God will find somebody else. Well, you know what? I don't necessarily agree with that anymore. I think sometimes he has individuals who are supposed to do a specific thing. And if you don't do it, if you don't do it, it will not get done. And when we get to heaven, what are we going to say to him? When he reminds us of that moment and he says, look, I had something for you to do there. There's a person you were supposed to minister to and you didn't. And as a result, that person will not be in the everlasting. They left their nets. They left everything and followed Jesus. No discussion, no quibbling, no, well, Lord, I've got to pray about it. If there is a need, fill it. If God's saying go, then go. Stop dragging your feet. And you know what? When they said yes to him, they began an adventure that they'd never experienced before. And when you follow Jesus and you do what he's challenging you to do, you will enjoy every minute of, well, maybe most of it. There might be a few things you don't, but, you know, it's all for your good, though. Brian, I think, is he in here? He's over there. All right. You shared a post this week, and, and it talked about how you wanted to pull someone out of their sin. You wanted to pull somebody out of their, their, their uh, uh, what is it, that, like being addicted to drugs or their alcoholism or, or the hardship they were going through. But that person needed to go through that in order to rely more on Him to strengthen that relationship with Him. And if we pull people out of everything they're going through, if we try to take the hit for them, they're never going to grow up. That wasn't in my notes. When the fishermen followed Jesus, they were saying, Lord, I will follow you and I will do whatever it is you challenge me to do. If you did it, then it's good enough for me and I should be doing the same. That's why it's so important we understand what Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John tell us. And of course, the book of Acts and the epistles because it talks about what the early church went through and how they lived their lives for Jesus. You want direction? Then get it out of this manual right here called the B-I-B-L-E. Mark 10.35 says this, whoever wants to be a leader among you must first be your servant. The men were arguing over who was going to be the first in Jesus' little team. 
And Jesus said, you know what? You really want to be first? You really want to be the leader? Then you need to be willing to lay your life down and die for what you want to accomplish in Christ. And the same thing is true for us. And he went on, whoever wants to be first among you must be the what? The slave of everyone else. We don't like that word because it's got connections today that it didn't have during the time of Jesus. Slavery was common during the time of Jesus. And this wouldn't have baffled them like it does today. Today we see that word slave and we always think of the African Americans that came to this country and and had to do the things they did, mostly in the South. But let me tell you something, there's a big difference between that and being a slave to Jesus. Because when you're a slave to Jesus, what you're saying is, I will lay my life down for you, Master. I use that word a lot, Master, because He is, capital M, our Master. And if He really is and you believe that, you will do whatever He tells you to do. When He says go, you will go. When He says stay, you will stay. And this word, slave, won't trip you up. Because really, there's freedom when you're a slave to Christ. And we need to get that in our hearts and in our spirits. He said, you you must be the slave of whom? Everyone else. Nobody's discounted from that. You need to be a slave to your enemies. What? You need to be a slave to your family. To the church. Your, your brothers and sisters in Christ. I could go on and on, but I think you get the idea. Verse 45, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others. And that last little part, see that, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus said, follow me. What's it mean? Right there. Now the Gospel of John was a little bit different from all the others. As I've already said, each disciple wrote what they thought was important according to how they saw each event take place. In John chapter 1, you see that Jesus didn't use the same verbiage. He said, Come follow me. But he also said, come and you will see. I like that. Come and you will see. How many want to see what the Lord's trying to do? Let the master teach you. Let him show you what's next in your life. By the way, John doesn't talk about fishermen. You can go back and read that on your own. But I wanted to point out once again, first, Jesus calls us to follow him. That means leave everything behind. Leave your nets behind or whatever it is that might hold you back. Leave it behind. Maybe it's a vice. I've shared this from my own testimony many times. When I first came to the Lord, he delivered me from everything. Smoking, drinking, marijuana, cussing. It just, it, it was wiped out. A year and a half later, 
I made the stupid, foolish mistake of going back like a dog goes back to his vomit. That was me. Not proud of it. For two, two, two plus years, two and a half, I started smoking. I didn't cuss. I drank a little bit, not where I got drunk, but by smoking those cigarettes, though, you know what I did with the church? I couldn't do it. I, did, I didn't want to be a hypocrite. And in my heart, if I smoked, if I drank, I was a hypocrite. This is me. It may be different in your life. You know, I'm not condemning anybody. If you smoke, if you drink, you know, do, it, what, do what the Scripture says. Do what the Holy Spirit tells you. But I'm sharing my testimony here. When I started smoking again, I backed off from everything I was involved in in the church. And I was heavily involved prior to that. And then that man saw me at QD, Quality Dairy in Lansing, came up behind me. I had a 12-pack of Bush and two packs of Marlboro sitting on the counter that I was about ready to buy. And this man came up behind me and he goes, Hey, Norm, good to see you, brother from the church. Brother Tim, hey Tim, <laughs> I don't know who put those there. And he goes, you know what, we need ushers. Man, we really need good ushers at the church. And I was praying and the Lord put you on my heart. When I saw you, I just thought, man, I need to ask Brother Norm if he'd consider ushering. Two and a half years, I didn't do anything except grumble about going to church if I, if I even went. And I looked at Tim, and the Lord had been working on me, right? This, is, this isn't just Tim. This is the Holy, Holy Spirit getting on me. He, he's been convincing me for weeks and weeks, Norm, come on, you're better than this. And I looked at Tim and I said, yeah, I'd like that. And I, I said, when do you want me to start? He goes, how about next Sunday? I'm like, I'm looking down. Okay, brother. I said, all right. He goes, hey, I don't know if you smoke or not. <laughs> but if you do, just don't come in smelling like an ashtray. That's what he said to me. And I said, you know, Tim, I said, I've been, I've been wanting to quit. I said, before I get there next Sunday, that Tuesday was my last cigarette. I never smoked another one. I haven't had a cigarette since. And needless to say, the beer was, I didn't need that anyway. I went in there that next Sunday, and I'm telling you, I was changed. I was changed. God said, go, and I went. He said, serve, and I said, yes, sir. And it changed my life. I wouldn't be here today if I hadn't been an usher because I grew in that position. I learned how to pray. I learned how to love each other. It was a great experience, and I want you to experience that same thing. But it took sacrifice. We had to come in early. <gasps> Oh. 
We had to be there 45 minutes early before church started. And we started with prayer in the upper room. 30 men. This was Sunday night. We had a big team. 30 men and women all wearing their red coats. We had red jackets. And we prayed up a storm before we went out at 1010. And we took our posts. And we prayed while we were at our posts. I want to tell you what, the devil, he didn't mess with us. Because he knew there were 30 ushers who were prayed up and ready to take on whatever he had. There were intercessors too. I don't want to diminish that fact. But I'm just, there was something about serving together. I felt like those 12 that followed Jesus. We were in it together because we love the Lord and we love people enough to serve, to do whatever it took. They had no plan B. God was their source, Philippians 4.19. He shall supply our every need according to His riches and glory. That's part one. Part two, to follow Jesus meant one would do what the Master did. And I love this little picture. It shows the guy way out ahead, and then it shows his followers. And I, these look like they might be kids. I don't know, but it doesn't matter. We're all kids at heart. We're all children of the King. And He's calling us to follow Him. We may not know where He's going, but we don't have to know all the time. And I shared that a little bit last week. You know, God doesn't always show us the end result, he just shows us how to keep putting one foot in front of the other and in front of the other and in front of the other till we get to where he wants us to go. And then he gives us the, the, the rest of the story as far as what you have to do in that moment. I want to look at what is arguably one of the best illustrations Jesus could have given when it comes to serving him. He had his disciples in the upper room. They were about to have supper. And he wanted to do one last thing to build up their spirit, man, to show them what was next. And I, I, I really struggled with this this week because what I wanted to do, I wanted to actually do this up here, and I thought, you know what, Lord, you, you can minister here today. Instead of us having people up here sitting in a chair. And I'm talking about the foot washing in John 13. By the way, he's the only one that mentions this. But I believe what Jesus showed his men and what he was saying to the church to come is so powerful as the master washed his disciples' feet. I want you to understand something, though. In the Jewish culture, a Jew never did this. The slaves were the ones that washed your feet. And slaves wouldn't wash each other's feet. They would get a Gentile slave to wash their feet. And Gentiles were, of course... They're way down here. They're on the bottom rung. 
So when Jesus said this, I want to wash your feet, what do you think his men thought? When Jesus took his robe and he dropped it down around his waist, that was a sign of a servant, of a slave. And their eyes would have about bugged out of their heads. What's he doing? And then when he said, I want to wash your feet, every one of them would have just been going, what? He's lost his marbles. We don't do that kind of thing. In fact, it kind of makes sense why Peter said what he said. Why was Peter so indignant when Jesus said, I want to wash your feet? Because their culture didn't allow for this. Jesus is saying, I'm bringing something new to you boys today. I want you to catch this. I'm calling you to serve each other. And I want to show you how. And Peter, <laughs> God bless Peter. No, you'll never, ever wash my feet. And what did, what did Jesus say? Unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. Serious stuff. And of course, you know, Peter, over-exuberant over Peter. Well then, in that case... Give me a bath, Lord, my paraphrase. <laughs> wash all of me. Jesus said, I don't need to wash all of you. You see, Peter, he, he missed it. He missed the point of, of what the Lord was trying to say. He didn't get it. So, thankfully, the Lord took care of that. And in verse we're going to jump to 12. In verse 12 of John 13, he says this, After washing their feet, he put on his robe again. He sat down and he asked, Do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. There are churches that do this on a regular basis. Foot washers. And have you ever done that? How many have washed somebody's feet? All right, quite a few of you. It's weird, isn't it? It's just strange to me. But the point is, brother serve your sister be willing to take that low place and I, I just wanted to throw this in jesus came to shake up the culture not to conform to it we are not called to line up with what's going on around us we're called to be different we're called to be servants of all and this wasn't the end of this verse 15 Jesus said, I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. 
It can't get any clearer. Can it? I hope I'm stepping on toes this morning. No pun intended. They'll be clean. Jesus, the Master, gave us the example to follow. Do as I have done. I just got down on my knees. The king of the universe. I set my crown aside so that I could come as a man in the flesh to become the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. I humbled myself to do that. And now I'm saying to you men, do the same thing. Get on your knees and serve your fellow man. Whatever it takes. I need you to do this. Come, follow me. Come, pick up your cross and follow me. I tell you the truth, slaves are not greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. I love that last line. You know, when you serve the master, when you're giving of yourself in whatever department he puts you in, whatever category you might find yourself working in. Maybe it's in this church. Maybe it's, it's going outreach out of the church. Maybe it's ministering to your family, to your friends. Whatever it is, if you do that as unto the Lord, this is what's going to happen. God is going to bless you. And when He blesses you, it's going to be far greater than anything you could ever do on your own. And I believe it's, it's not just earthly blessing, but it's heavenly blessing. So you're, you're getting a double stack here. You're going to be blessed on earth, you're going to be blessed in heaven. But you've got to get off your pew. Get off your seats. And do what the Lord's calling you to do. No slave is greater than his master. Jesus washed his disciples' feet to show them that contrary to their culture, they would be expected to serve each other and to lay all they had down for the kingdom of God. And Jesus knew what he was talking about because he knew what he was about to do. He knew that that sacrificial act that I've already pointed out where he died on the cross for us, that's the epitome of, of laying your life down for others. Remember Mark 10.45, I shared that. Even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others. And to give his life as a ransom for many. To follow Jesus is to emulate the Master. And he's saying, serve each other. If Jesus humbled himself and served humanity, why would we be exempt from doing the same? Would we?
Follow him. Leave everything. Serve others. When you lay your life down for others, serving them without expecting anything in return, then you are doing what Jesus commanded his disciples to do. That person will one day receive a rich reward. As Jesus said in John 13, 17, God will bless you. Be a servant. Be generous. Find ways to minister to your brothers and sisters. There are very few weeks where we don't have a, a need in the church, a lack of ushers or greeters or somebody to run the guest service or somebody to work with the children in the nursery, the preschool, the children's or junior high. We don't have a senior high because we don't have anybody called to do that. But that need is still there. There shouldn't be any needs that go on unmet in the church, in my opinion. And that's why I'm asking you to prayerfully seek the Lord on this. Ask Him what He'd have you do. What are you called to do? And do it. Stop making excuses. Where's that going to get you? There's a world that's dying and going to hell out there. And we need, to, we need to grow this church to be what God wants us to be. And it takes all of us to do that. And if you think that the pastor who's paid is going to do it all, you're sadly mistaken. I can't do it all. Pastor Barb can't do it all. We need everybody on board. And if you're at home, I said this already, find ways to minister. You can call people just to see how they're doing. Call the people that are in the nursing homes. If they have phones in their room, send them cards. Just say, hey, I'm thinking about you. I want you to know that sister so-and-so is just want you to know we remember you and we miss you. How hard is that? Take meals to people. Obviously, you'd want to today leave them on their step, call them, say, hey, there's, there's a meal on your front porch. Make sure they're home. <laughs> don't, don't just leave it there because then the raccoons will come out. And, or possums. Somebody posted about possums this week. Was that you? My daughter-in-law, Sarah, the possum lover. Anyway, you can go there. There's so many things, though, as a, as a body of believers, we can do to encourage each other. It doesn't take that much. Jesus said, go. First he said, follow me. Then he said, go. Hallelujah. There's an old saying, 20% of the people do 80% of the work in the church. I just want you to know that that shouldn't be that way. It should not. 
And I'm purposing in my heart to make sure that isn't the case at the Hope. I've said this before that, you know, if you come in here and, and, and you're just looking for a warm and fuzzy message that doesn't challenge you, this is the wrong church for you. Because I am here to challenge you. I am here to try to show you what the Lord commanded us to do. And I believe serving is the utmost of importance. Not just so that you're doing something for the church, but the involvement changes you. There's something about giving of yourself and of your time and your talent and your resources that does something on the inside of you. It takes you places you couldn't go otherwise. As I tried to explain through my own testimony, ushering prepared me for what I'm doing today. I believe that with all my heart. In conclusion, if I could have the worship team come back and sing those last two songs again. Jesus said, come, follow me. <laughs> Hallelujah. Are you willing? Would you stand? Are you willing to serve the body of Christ? Or are you just going to keep making excuses of why you can't? Stop making other things a higher priority. You're going to give an account someday. We all are. You're going to stand before the Lord and He's going to say, were you obedient? What are you going to say to him? Well, sometimes, most of the time, never. I don't want anybody to fall in that last category. And I just wanted to end on a positive note. Jesus said this in two places. Matthew 10, 42, If anyone gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones who is known to be my disciple, he's talking about the body of Christ here, Truly, I tell you, that person will certainly, what? Be rewarded. Mark 9, 41. Truly, I tell you, anyone who gives you a cup of water in my name because you belong to the Messiah will certainly be rewarded. It's a win-win. You grow and you get a blessing. Do you love Jesus? And follow Him. Father, as we conclude this message today, this service, I pray that the message wouldn't just end here, but Lord, we would be doers of the Word, not just hearers. That we would find something to do for the kingdom, Lord, that You're challenging us to do. And Lord, Guide us. Holy Spirit, pour into us today. Give us what we need so that when we bump into people, it'll spill out. The God in us will spill out on them. Lord, keep us safe in our coming and in our going. And if there are any out there today that need you, this is what you do. If, if you're 
listening today on live stream and, and you haven't made Jesus the Lord of your Savior, here's what you do right now. You say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Yes. And make me a new person. And I will follow you. I will follow you. You do that. And then you write me, norm at gaylordchurch.com. You tell me you did that. And I will send you some things. And I'll be praying for you as well. Thank you, Jesus. I love y'all. I hope today's message was strong enough to get the point across, but that you don't feel beat up too bad. Good word. But it was necessary today. And I love you. I really do love you guys. Ladies, men. Thank you, Jesus. Our kids. I wouldn't be here if I didn't. I hope you have a great week in Jesus. Enjoy the snow this afternoon. I get to try out my new snow blower. Heated hand grips. <laughs> kind of like riding a Harley, right? Right, Ken? No, no. Not exactly. <laughs> I love you. Father, just uh, bless everybody at home and, and as here as they go home, Lord. Uh, just keep us safe from the coming and going. Loose angels around us. And most important, give us opportunities to draw closer to you and to share our witness with others. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. God bless you. Have a great week.